1: Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to make your next move into a reality. Whatever this idea is that you have for a cool website, you can have it up and running in minutes. You can make a resume that will blow everyone out of the water. Or if you have a lot of experience with websites, you can make something amazing using their beautifully designed templates and customizable features. Creating a beautiful website with Squarespace is a simple and intuitive process. Just add and arrange your content with the click of a mouse, and it's live on the internet. Click, click, it is done. Now, start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And if you enter the code "so smart," you'll get 10% off of your first purchase. Welcome to the You Are Not So Smart podcast, episode 107. The shift in public opinion concerning same-sex marriage was incredibly swift. The fastest social change ever recorded, according to some social scientists. And you can see that in just the numbers. 20 years ago, in 1997, the grunge-loving, Titanic-watching, goodwill-hunting, quoting late 90s, 68% of Americans opposed same-sex marriage. 68. Today, 61% support it. In the United States, as a nation, as an average, this change seemed to take place all at once, around 2010. That is when the opposition numbers plummeted. In fact, when polled in 2016, more than half of the nation said they weren't just supportive, but it had become an issue that would affect their voting. Politicians who opposed LGBT rights in some places could count on that position leading to public shaming and maybe the loss of an election. But just 12 years earlier, when polled on that issue, people said a politician could count on that same position generating the opposite result. When Massachusetts became the first state to pass a law granting marriage rights to same-sex couples in 2004, President Bush publicly endorsed creating a constitutional amendment to put an end to the insanity to outright ban same-sex marriage across the country. And there was a lot of support for that. Nine years later, the Boston Globe reported that George W. Bush would not only serve as a witness at the marriage of two women in Kennebuckport, Maine, but he offered to perform the ceremony. When social change comes, it often comes swiftly. The fight can last for a century, but when the ramparts fall, change usually happens so fast That people find themselves in that strange place where, if you could go back, if you could jump in a time machine and just go back 10 years, you'd meet a person who fundamentally disagrees with the person you are now. When change comes, you can go back just one decade, and that which seems unthinkable, what is unacceptable today, will in the recent past still be the status quo, still be normal, still be defendable by some. As common sense. In this episode, I'd like to explore what it's like in the middle of one of those rapid changes when people are still struggling with a new model of reality, still hesitant, but beginning to feel doubt, beginning to feel wrong. Some of the audio in this episode came from archival recordings which were not captured professionally, so at times they will sound a little rough, but please forgive them. And I think you will. So let's get to it.
2: This meeting of the Starkville
3: Board of Aldermen will now come to order. Please rise for the saying of the Pledge of Allegiance, after which Alderman Vaughan would like to open us in a word of prayer, and we'll observe a moment of silence. I pledge this allegiance to the flag.
1: This is how every meeting of the Mayor and the Board of Aldermen of Starkville, Mississippi, begins. With the Pledge of Allegiance, and then a prayer... They can last as long as three or four minutes.
0: The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. He restores my soul. He leads me pass the pass of righteousness for his name's sake. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil for thy word for me. Thy rod, thy staff, thy comfort me. I prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou naughtest my head with oil. My cuffs runs over.
1: Is- after this prayer, the Board of Aldermen of Starkville usually gets down to business. They sit at a table with the mayor in the middle, facing an audience like a courtroom or like one of those committee rooms in Congress or Parliament, and usually, the business they get down to involves taxes and ad valorem rates, garbage pickup and busted water pipes, the same kind of business every small town in America deals with, and like most small towns, Starkville's Board of alderman meetings, they begin with citizen commentary. People stand up before an audience. Usually there's only like five or six people there and the entire board, and they talk about potholes or streetlights, about school policies and bus routes, that sort of thing. It usually only lasts a few minutes. But in late 2014 and early 2015, over the course of a month, The citizen commentary in each meeting lasted for hours. They voiced their opinions and concerns about a new ordinance, a new policy, and the crowd was enormous. It filled up the room. It spilled out into the hallways because this policy, the passage of it, had plunged the community into a deep debate about something that, until now, just wasn't spoken about openly.
2: Thank you, Ms. Wall
0: for the citizen county. Hi, I'm Debbie Dearly. Um, I just want to say I have a few notes, but I'm not proud of y'all for this. And I don't want Starkville to be known for something like this. I am a resident of this town, but I am a Christian and was raised that way. I'm just a down-home Southern Baptist girl. But this is just not right, and I certainly am not trying to be mean or make ugly comments about what other people have said, but I just don't know where in the Bible it states that you can be an ordained pastor and be a homosexual. I'm sorry. I don't know what has happened to everybody's values and morals here, but this is just not right. I just don't want...
1: Debbie Dearman is upset because... Just before her, an ordained minister who is gay spoke up in support of the city's decision to create a resolution, the first of its kind in Mississippi, one of the first in the country, that explicitly stated that the city of Starkville as a whole believed diversity was critical to the success of its community.
0: that you can't rewrite the Bible to make it work for your lifestyle. It doesn't.
1: In January of 2013, a resolution passed stating that discrimination based on a new set of criteria was, quote, anathema to the public policy of the city. And here's the list of criteria. Quote, again, race, color, religion, national origin, sex, gender identity and expression, age, marital status, sexual orientation, familial status, veteran status, disability, and source of income. Now, there was some controversy when this passed, but what brought the crowds to the alderman meetings was a second measure proposed shortly after. The mayor, Parker Wiseman, proposed that in light of the new policy, the city should extend to its employees insurance coverage for domestic partners, including partners of the same sex. Now, remember, Same-sex marriage was still illegal in this time period. This was right before the U.S. Supreme Court took up same-sex marriage. So all across America and every state, the social change that would lead to that landmark decision was rushing into areas where it met little resistance, towns that changed ahead of the court. But in others, towns like Starkville, such ideas, well, they led... To a debate
0: in leviticus 2013 it states if a man also lies with mankind as he lies with a woman both of them have committed an abomination they shall surely be put to death their blood shall be upon them and in leviticus 18:22, it specifically states do not have sexual relationships relations with a man as one does with the woman that is detestable and that's all
3: thank you Mr. dearman further citizen comments maintain decorum Further citizen comments.
4: My name is Melissa Grimes, and I am a resident of Ward 2. Uh, I'd like to read you something. Uh, in, the, in a world full of darkness, though even the dimmest shimmer of light can be a beacon of hope for the wounded and oppressed, the exiled and hated. I wrote these words in a blog that was published by several websites earlier this year after you guys passed the non-discrimination ordinance. Once again, Stop will gained national attention when it passed the plus one coverage, as you guys are well aware. And you guys should be proud of that. You've become a beacon of hope for LGBT people in Mississippi, in the South, and in the country. You are at the forefront of progress. But there are people in Starkville who are afraid of the light, people who are here tonight. And much of the oppositional chatter I've heard around town concerning these issues have been religious based. As a good Baptist, I'm here to tell you that the separation of church and state is not a suggestion, it's a mandate. If only if the only reasons you have to oppose these measures of equality are religious based, then you have no reason to oppose them at all. As elective officials, it is your duty, to uphold the separation of church and state. By extending benefits to LGBT couples, you're saying that ever resident of Startville matters. As such, you have been applauded by many in the national media. Our town has been covered by the Washington Times, the Advocate, the Dallas Voice, and too many other media sources to name. We've gotten positive media co- uh, coverage for something that doesn't involve t- touchdowns or teen pregnancy for once in our lives. the recent decisions in Startville have been have caused Starkville to become known as a progressive town that cares for all of its residents. Startwell has become a light, a spark, that has prompted six other Mississippi towns to follow suit and make their own ordinances. You guys are leaders at the forefront of progress, and you should be proud of that. So I urge you to continue to be a light, continue to push forward with the progress that you've made in spite of those here who fear progress. Fear the darkness, fear hatred, Fear inequality and fear injustice, but don't fear the light of progress. Plato wrote, We can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark, but the real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light.
2: Thank you, Ms. Bryant. Maintain decorum.
1: Starkville was the first city in Mississippi to pass a non-discrimination policy specifically created to tell LGBT people that in that town, in that social oasis, they were valued. They were safe. Six other cities in the state followed that example shortly after. But as you will soon hear, there was a tremendous backlash at this attempt to join the rest of the country in a sweeping social change. The reasons why they resisted and the results of that resistance, I think, offer a tremendous insight into change itself, into how groups of people reevaluate their values and their humanity. All that after this break. you hiring. Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates if you are hiring? Have you thought about maybe hiring and you didn't think there was a way to do this in a way that was futuristic and modern and efficient, so you said, hmm, I'll wait till later. Look, now there's something called Zip Recruiter. You can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click, and then their powerful technology will efficiently match the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, more than 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in one day, in 24 hours. So no juggling emails, no juggling calls to your office, just screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place, with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Now, find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified candidates with immediate results. My listeners, right now, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for nothing. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash not so smart. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash not so smart. And One more time, because this is psychology after all, this will be burned into your brain forever. For free, get some ZipRecruiter action going by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash not so smart. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace and whatever your big idea might be, you can count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings that crazy idea to life. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a resume to blow away the competition, a store to sell your products and services, or you just want to make a cool place on the internet, a blog for your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like an expert right from the start. And if you are an expert, you can make some crazy stuff using Squarespace. You even get a unique domain, which strengthens your brand and it makes it easier for visitors to find you. Plus, With Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse, and there is nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Though, if you do have a question, and for me, this is the best part, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 every day of the week, no matter what your problem is, tech support will talk to you no matter how technical, how insane. Or trivial seeming your problem. It's really your own IT department, and that is a very cool feature for any service. So make your next move and start your free trial at squarespace.com today. Enter the offer code SO SMART to get 10% off of your first purchase. That's SO SMART. S O S M A R T. And you know, I can't go one episode without mentioning the great courses plus. I love being able to learn about anything that interests me whenever I want. I love college quality, university quality content that has been vetted and well shot and is thorough and interesting and has experts who tell you what you're talking about. All this stuff comes with The Great Courses Plus. I can spend hours watching these fascinating video lectures, learning from award-winning experts about the topics that interest me, whether it's logic and psychology or photography or playing chess or cooking or mathematics or anything in between. Right now, actually, we're watching a series about dystopian fiction that I think is just so super cool. There are more than 8,000 different lectures There's always something new to explore. They're adding new stuff all the time. They send you an email when new stuff comes along. I really enjoyed watching The Intelligent Brain. It's a fascinating look into the research behind intelligence itself. Is IQ testing valid? What have we learned about intelligence through modern technology, brain imaging, all those sorts of things. Whether you're interested in dunces or geniuses or anything in between, The Intelligent Brain is a really cool course. And I want you to start watching The Great Courses Plus, just like we are, by... Doing this thing that they're giving me, this is really great. This is a gift to the listeners. It's a fantastic limited time offer. You get your first month for free, and then you get 50% off your next three months. In that free month, you can get 10 times smarter if you really cram it in there. So this generous offer extends your unlimited access for several months as you enjoy their huge library of engaging video lectures. But to do this, to get this, you have to use this URL within the next few weeks, because this is a limited time offer. Here's the URL, thegreatcoursesplus.com smart. Now, remember this free month and 50% off your next three months is only available for a limited time. So go to this URL, greatcoursesplus.com smart. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smart. And now we return to our program. My name is David McCraney, and this is the You Are Not So Smart podcast. Whatever you think of Mississippi, it's probably not accurate. Not even that famous quote by William Faulkner is accurate. He supposedly once said, To understand the world, you must first understand a place like Mississippi. Now, I've read that many times over the years. I've seen it embroidered on a pillow. I've seen it on pieces of wrapping paper holding chunks of chocolate. And I have believed it many times as well. Though, I have to admit, it could mean just about anything. It could be about pride, or it could be about shame. It could be about hate, or it could be about the fight against hate, or the fight against the fight against hate, or anything in between. It could be about hound dogs. I've thought about that Faulkner quote. To understand the world, you must first understand a place like Mississippi while walking between the cedars flanking the pathway leading to the entrance of his famed mansion in Oxford. I've been inside where the outline of one of his Pulitzer Prize winning novels is still neatly scrawled in red and black pencil on the wall of his study. But there is no quote in that house. It's only in places that sell the kind of things that want to see Mississippi in a certain way. I've sat next to Faulkner's statue, the one that's sitting on a park bench, smoking a pipe across from the Oxford Courthouse near Square Books. This is an infamous independent Mississippi bookstore to which all Southern writers must periodically pilgrimage because it's where Larry Brown and John Grisham held book signings and Alice Walker and Allen Ginsberg held book readings, and even there, no quote. See, Faulkner, to a certain kind of Mississippian, is nearly as mythological as the mystical Celtic Rowan trees for which he named his home, Rowan Oak. So it's fitting that the quote is as mythological as he is. It turns out, to understand the world, you must first understand a place like Mississippi is something Faulkner never even said. It's just something people wish he had said. Writer Alicia Barnes tracked it all down in 2013 and found it was misattributed to Faulkner by another writer, Willie Morris. Writers writing about writers, writing about writers. She discovered that in 2013. Willie Morris wrote that in 1996. And according to Barnes, no one knows where Morris even came up with it. It doesn't appear anywhere else except in his writings, which I think is fitting, because to understand Mississippi, you have to understand why that quote would be so alluring to the people who live there, to the people who live there and feel apart, stranded on a sociological island where the people who want things to change get ground up with the people who don't. Whatever you think of Mississippi, it's about as accurate as that quote, and as nebulous, and as impossible to parse as the place itself. A good example of that is Starkville, a town in the northern side of the state founded in the 1830s in the former territory of the Choctaw people, home today to a little more than 20,000 residents and a university that's home to about as many more. It's a city Johnny Cash immortalized in song after spending a night there in jail for wandering the streets And picking flowers after curfew. It's now a place with a film festival and a Starbucks and a hipster coffee shop where the students and bohemians who avoid Starbucks can go and crack open their laptops in peace. The hipster coffee shop is next door to a cavernous Christian bookstore which is not far from an Indian restaurant and an upscale gastropub and a veterinary college and an endless blend of southerness leaning so far away and toward its stigma that it ends up twisted together into a braid.
3: I like college towns. My, my dad was a, a recently retired faculty member at Mississippi State, so uh, I grew up around the university mm-hmm. and uh, it's, a, it's part of who I am.
1: That's Parker Wiseman. He's the mayor of Starkville. He spent his whole life in Starkville except for the two years. He spent in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where he got his master's in public administration. And the three years he spent earning a law degree in Oxford at the university, not on the state, and the football clubs is Ole Miss. I met him in his office within the aging City Hall. Around the corner, a shop sells pool hall supplies. And behind the building, a new speakeasy is competing with an established bar and grill. The thriving young part of town is a stone's throw away, but City Hall is old. Its inner layers of creaking wood are still encased in a cold municipal shell of no-nonsense squares from another era, setting it apart from the just slightly more ornate First Baptist Church on the other side of the road. In Starkville, the separation between church and state is literally a patched-over stretch of gray asphalt, called Lampkin Street. I wanted to meet Wiseman in person because he had just concluded a long, difficult battle to bring social change to Starkville, one that had made national headlines. In January of 2013, under his leadership, the Starkville Board of Aldermen proposed a 208-word resolution supporting equality. It stated. The city would henceforth make it public policy to prevent discrimination in Starkville, and the text specifically mentioned gender identity and expression as well as sexual orientation, which until then had not been a part of any official policy.
3: The idea actually originated um, with our chief administrative officer.
1: His name is Taylor Adams, and at his previous job at Mississippi State, years earlier, MSU had established a nearly identical statement of inclusion for its campus, like many other universities had adopted in the early 2000s. Well aware of the positive press generated by that policy, Wiseman and Adams were eager to replicate it. In addition, he thought it would make city employees just feel safe and city government would seem like, An appealing place to work for people in his generation and younger. He's 35, by the way. Not only that, Adams said it would help with grant applications, just as it had at MSU. If they could just mention that Starkville had a broad policy of inclusion, and they had gone so far to pass a resolution saying so, it opened the door to a lot of new opportunities that they knew were being held back simply because Starkville was a city in the Deep South.
3: So he brought it to me uh, initially, and uh, I said, well, absolutely. Uh, Looks like the right thing to do. Uh, Let's do it. Since no
1: city in Mississippi had ever included sexual orientation or gender identity in such a resolution, the Human Rights Campaign pointed this out in a blitz of publicity after the measure passed. In one release, they wrote, quote, This is the first time any municipality in Mississippi has recognized the dignity of its LGBT residents, end quote. And the president of the HRC, Chad Griffin, personally thanked the city. Wiseman was quoted in the release saying, quote, I hope the equality resolution lives up to the beliefs of Dr. King and sends a message that Starkville is a city that is intolerant of discrimination against anyone and in any form. And this flurry of media attention was followed with TV stations and newspapers and LGBT organizations producing state and national headlines, some entertaining the notion that Mississippi might be changing its mind faster than other parts of the country usually thought of as being considerably more progressive. Within a month, a town to the south, Hattiesburg, they passed a similar resolution, and seven more cities would follow. Each time, Wiseman recalled that Starkville was mentioned in those proceedings. It was
3: a much more positive event uh, than, than I expected it to be. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, things went sideways later in the year.
1: Once the glow of the publicity began to fade, the pushback began. And it began when one of the more conservative aldermen proposed just repealing the resolution, at first, the aldermen could not get any traction, and the backlash may have ended there. But when Wiseman pushed for more change by proposing that measure that would allow employees to extend their insurance coverage to domestic partners, including partners of the same sex, well, for many in that community, especially those who had bit their tongues concerning the anti-discrimination resolution, this crossed a line.
3: Then, uh, before course, we passed... Uh plus one insurance coverage uh, that included domestic partnership eligibility. Uh, Now the domestic partnership eligibility uh, is something that applies uh, in either an opposite-sex relationship or a same-sex relationship. Uh, When the Human Rights Campaign uh, publicized uh, the fact that this would uh, potentially allow insurance coverage uh, uh, for uh, gay couples uh, within the city, uh, it became an explosive. Uh, political event Uh, and uh, you know it's I I wish I could tell you exactly why Uh, that's when uh, everything exploded. Uh, I I can't. We could probably spend uh, the the next couple of hours analyzing all the different reasons that might have happened but that was the point uh, that I would say. uh, Communication uh, in the public square about LGBT issues began in
2: earnest. Um, I had the opportunity, my previous work that I did was a Christian missionary in another country in Southeast Asia, uh, I'm a minister, I'm a businessman as well here in Starkville. And from my personal experience, I just want to briefly explain, you know, the devil puts his foot in the door and it takes a mile, okay? He doesn't come up in front of us and say, hey, i the devil. This board is determined to show disrespect to a complete class of people
4: based on their LGBT status. Discrimination has left a bitter stamp on Mississippi, one that has a unique history that makes the terms of this debate much heavier than other places in the country. We are living in the civil rights frontier where the rights and privileges afforded are to LGBT people in other areas of David Duke or Mark, Mark Webber were to seek a private venue for a symposium and literature promotion and have the event catered by a local restaurant. And the local venue owner and the local restaurant owner were to think, this is so contrary to what I believe is right and decent, I cannot rent nor cater to nor receive funds from one who makes his living by denying the Holocaust. This overreaching and heavy-handed resolution, in advance, pronounces the highest level of condemnation for them for refusing a lounge and chicken salad sandwiches. And speaking of denial, it denies business owners the freedom to live according to their convictions. The mayor, after the passage of this resolution, was publicly quoted as saying, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that we must live, we must learn to live together as brothers.
2: I hope the equality resolution lives up to the beliefs of Dr. King. As a physician, and a message I can tell you. Homosexuality is not a choice. Homosexuality is determined before you're born. You can believe it or not believe it, but that's the way it is. Ask anybody who is gay when they were aware that they were gay. They usually tell them pretty young. So you're discriminating against people because they're different from you. They're not black. They're not Jewish. They're gay, but they're not gay by choice. They're gay because that's the way God made them. And if you truly love people, things, and I represent love Ward them. Eight, so um, you know, I I just want to acknowledge that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue the the homosexual agenda from a from a moral or a Decision choice. I'm I'm just an old simple veterinarian, and I studied anatomy and physiology. And you know you know what we called when an animal imitated reproduction with a same-sex animal. We called it abnormal. We called it abnormal. And and and, ma'am, I'm sorry that you feel. Hurt and offended, engage the board. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I really do, but it's just because we there are people in this room that. Disagree. I told my
5: family and community I was gay over 10 years ago. The things I heard from others when I came out: were you're going to burn in hell." The wages of sin is death. You are a hypocrite. You are a criminal. You are wrong. You are disgusting. Your opinion doesn't matter anymore. Do you even know who God is anymore? At the time, my 22-year-old self could barely cope. I had no one. I was left to figure it out on my own. The result of my experience was an inability to believe in myself. I often still hear in my mind, you are wrong or disgusting. In order to live my life the way I want to, it has required me to meet the darkness, to go to that place we all fear. I had to climb past every label that had ever been placed on me. And you know what I found in that very dark place? I found a spark of light. And over time, with an intention to take responsibility and to not blame others, that light has grown very slowly. I have come to understand that being completely alone is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. I have learned that the love in me is the same love in all of us. I have learned to see the truth of humanity, despite our inability to see it in ourselves. I understand forgiveness enough to know that I
2: will have to choose it over. We're not important. Over. Be and do what you want, okay? Um because of that, the moral society was so bad that we couldn't allow our little nephews to go into an elevator by themselves without them being grabbed in the crotch. I was riding in a taxi with a local minister of that particular nation. He was not a friend of mine. Uh, he represented the religious culture in that country. My best friend, who was also a missionary with me, was grabbed in the crotch driving down the road with this man. And so morals are important, and it's very important that you guys set a standard and stick to it, because you may think it's not good. listening to everybody. Um, I moved here eight years ago. Uh, first time I was ever in Mississippi in my life was for my job interview. Um, I've been here eight Eight years now, and I love it. It's a wonderful town. It's the, really, it's the best place I've ever lived. It's really fantastic. And like um, the young woman in the back of the room who mentioned her children, I have two, two kids, an eight-month-old and a four-year-old, and more than anything, I want him to grow up in a place of equality where everybody's treated the same under the law. I think that would be a really good lesson for them to see. Um, when I moved here eight years ago, my very best friend from up New Jersey called me up and said, Mississippi. I said, yeah, I'm really excited about it. He said, Mississippi, aren't they on the wrong side of history always? <laughs> and I just want to be able to show them this time. I really, really do. So thank you. I really you
4: just, go, just wanted to tell every one of you, we're praying for you. And um, I stand with a stone and many others um, here, but just to, uh, of the five, that did vote, I just ask that you continue to stand on your convictions. But just to uh, say, too, uh, we're praying for each and every one of you, and I uh, do care for you. Uh, but I do believe that uh, Starfold is um, all about family, and uh, family is very important. And Yes, I do believe in one man and, and one woman, and I believe that's what God is, is, uh, has placed. Lord, five.
6: I've, uh, I, I served in the Air Force many, many years ago, and uh, I was in the Air Force before. Don't ask, don't tell, so that'll give you some idea of how long ago I was in the military. So I did have to live through that, uh, hiding and protecting myself. And when I got out in 1980, I moved to Mississippi, and for the majority of those years since 1980, I've lived here in Stark. And to be honest with you, I've really never felt discrimination in this town. You may not believe that, but it's true. Not until tonight. And my heart is broken that I am sitting here listening to people talk about how bad a person I am. And I'm not a bad person. Anyway. As some of you may remember, I spoke last week during the BOA meeting. After the meeting was over, many of you came out
1: to the hallway. Some of you After a month of public commentary and media attention, When it finally went to a vote, the measure was repealed. Starkville would now go down in history as the first city in Mississippi to create an anti-discrimination ordinance designed to protect LGBT individuals, and it would be the first city in Mississippi to strike down such a measure.
3: So the board moved very swiftly uh, to undo both uh, plus one benefits uh, and the equality resolution and executive session. I vetoed it. and uh, then at the following board meeting, we had, uh, a, again, a very uh, vocal uh, public conversation about all of it, uh, and they overrode my veto.
1: So as it stands, it's just gone. Gone. That's right. What, what message do you think that sends to all the people who were applauding Starkville over being the first Mississippi City? Oh, it, it
3: sends a deplorable message. I mean, the reality is the vast majority of Mississippi communities uh, are and have been silent on the issue. Uh, but at this point, uh, since Starkville has communicated uh, a statement of non-discrimination uh, and has now uh, made a public decision that it no longer wishes to communicate that statement of non-discrimination, uh, obviously uh, that uh, that is something uh, that, that, that is a more injurious event uh, for the city, with them having never made a statement on it in the first
1: place. When I met Wiseman, he felt crestfallen and terrible about how everything went down, as if he had unleashed something, as if he had given permission to an unspoken prejudice to roam freely through his town. But I told him, that's not how I see it at all, because I mentioned argumentation theory, this wing of psychology that hypothesizes all human reasoning evolved for the purpose of debate, for arguing, for coming to group decisions. According to the scientists who subscribe to this theory, when we reason alone, that's when we're biased. That's when we get ourselves into trouble, producing weak arguments that we believe are strong. It's when we contribute our arguments to a pool and then everyone together samples from that pool and evaluates those arguments against one another, that reasoning can accomplish amazing things. It's then that the poor arguments fail and the best arguments win. For instance, there's this test in psychology called the cognitive reflection task, which has these questions that people usually get wrong, like if it takes five machines, five minutes to make five widgets, How long would it take 100 machines to make 100 widgets? Now, the answer to that is five minutes, but most people don't get it right. Now, reasoning along, 83% of people who take that test under laboratory conditions answer at least one of the questions incorrectly. A third get all of them wrong. But in groups of three or more, no one gets any wrong. At least one member always sees the correct answer, and that person is often not very confident at first, but the resulting debate leads to the truth. Now, of course, we have to take motivated reasoning into account here. People usually have a goal in mind when they are arguing one thing or another. But when the goal is to be right, reasoning together often achieves that goal in a way that reasoning alone cannot. Cognitive scientist Tom Stafford says that when a group has developed a strong sense of trust and it faces a common goal, When the majority is wrong, the few who are correct can bring the population around to the right answer. In fact, this is the whole idea behind argumentation theory. And on this podcast a few years ago, we had one of the main proponents of that theory on the show, cognitive scientist Hugo Mercier, and he said something back on that show that I think puts everything that happened in Starkville in a completely different light.
7: Well, you know, obviously it kinda of depends on the context and uh, if we if we just look at internet comments it might it might make one despair about um, you know people's ability to look beyond their point of view. Um although I mean even on the internet it depends. I mean some forums have fairly kinda you know, you know well educated, well spoken and and you know just you know reasonable people who are willing to change their mind. I mean it's not not everything is, you know, yeah, YouTube comments. <laughs> but uh, but um um, people have to be able to change their mind for, um, for argumentation to make sense in the first place. So if people were just you know, exchanging arguments um, and they would never change their mind you know, when, when confronted with good arguments, then people would just stop doing it. I mean, there would be, there would be no point in, uh, in putting arguments forward if there was no chance at all that they would ever be effective. Mm-hmm. So, the very fact in a way that we're you know putting forward arguments means that somehow we hope that they can they can succeed. And I think if they really never succeeded, you know people would stop and at least you know clearly evolutionarily, um it wouldn't be stable that people would just you know say it's like you know imagine everybody if everybody was deaf, you know people would stop talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the same thing with arguments.
1: In one of Mercier's experiments, he and a group of Swiss cognitive scientists tricked people into evaluating their own reasoning more thoughtfully by making it seem as if it came from the mind of someone else. To do this, subjects read a series of questions, they reached a series of conclusions, and then they wrote arguments down defending those conclusions. Now, after subjects chose their answers, scientists then asked them to write out justifications for their choices. And in the next stage of the experiment, scientists explained that they would now get a chance to see all the problems a second time, along with the answers that they had chosen. In addition, they get a chance to see the arguments of their fellow subjects who disagreed with them. And if it seemed like the strangers had a better argument, they could change their answers. But what the experimenters really did was they pulled a switcheroo, and they had people look at questions and answers labeled as those of someone else, When actually they were their own. Now, compared to a control who evaluated their own arguments, people who saw their arguments as if they were someone else's found the flaws right away. But when they looked at their arguments as if they were their own, when they had their names attached to them, they couldn't see those flaws anymore. The idea behind the argumentation theory is that we produce biased arguments from our perspective, and that's good. It helps create all these different viewpoints. Since no one knows what they don't know, and no one person has a clear view of the big picture, when you collect all these arguments together, all these perspectives together, everyone then engages in this secondary process of evaluation, which is far more meticulous, far more fair. We talked about this for a little while, Parker Wiseman and myself, arguing the science of arguing, the point of arguing, the debate, and I mentioned coming up the street on my way to his office that I saw a monument to civil rights icons. It's just around the corner. It's a row of tall portraits set within a brick wall accompanying quotes, and it all overlooks this small green space. Each photo is of a different civil rights leader, and each quote concerns change in one way or another. Douglas Connor speaks of whites and blacks working together for a common good. Martin Luther King, he says, the power of critical thinking and character is most important. Former Mississippi Governor William Winter talks about education and lifting people out of poverty. And Medgar Evers just offers very simply this quote, you can kill a man, but you can't kill an idea. At the end of the row, two men shake hands, one black, one white. And it's a portrait commemorating the 1963 NCAA game that pitted Mississippi State against Loyola in Chicago, a game often credited as the event that really ended racial segregation in National College of Basketball. Up until that point, all Mississippi schools had refused to play against teams with black players. In order to fly to Michigan, the Mississippi team, the manager, and the coach, they had to sneak out of town to avoid an injunction from the governor, who was trying to stop the game. And when they arrived, there were no fans cheering them in the packed stadium. And they lost, 61-55. to 55. But they returned to what the university called a hero's welcome. The two men shaking hands in the photo are... Loyola's captain Jerry Harkness and Mississippi State's captain Joe Dan Gold. And when Gold died in 2011, Harkness attended his funeral. And that photo of them shaking hands was placed on Gold's casket. I looked all that up after our meeting, but in the moment, I mentioned those monuments in the park nearby to Mayor Wiseman. I'm coming up this this street up here, and there's all these civil rights icons. Yeah. Yeah. And it strikes me as like A tremendous irony Sure That this is what's happened That this is lauded over here And then this is happening Inside the alderman's You know, Meeting sure. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Sure uh, You know uh, Change in the uh, Aftermath of the civil rights uh, Movement Wasn't easy uh, And Change on this issue uh, Isn't Easy either uh, We were enduring a time of great change, uh, on this issue. And, you know, I firmly believe uh, 20, 25 years from now, uh, people will look back at this issue uh, and the struggle uh, for equal rights in much the same way that they look back at the civil rights movement. Uh, People will question why it was ever uh, any other way. Uh, But in order to get through that point uh, when uh, there is a social change going on, usually there's some volatility, and I, I would say right now we are uh, at a point of volatility. Now, I will tell you, uh, as I've told many people in the aftermath of this, uh, there are many positives uh, that, that have come from all of this in spite of the fact that um, you know it was a truly gut-wrenching series of events. Uh, I will tell you, I was... Um, I was very proud of the way uh, the citizens of this community engaged the issue. Uh, you know, even in many cases, citizens who disagreed uh, with me on the issue. Uh, not not every citizen on either side of the issue uh, was, uh, was respectful and thoughtful in the way they presented ideas, but the vast majority were. Uh, and the result of this that I think in the long term is a positive good for our community is Starkville is one place in the Deep South, maybe one of the very only places in the Deep South, where a real, live, open and honest dialogue about LGBT issues has taken place in the public square. Uh, and as painful as that is, uh, uh, that's, that's how you grow uh, as a community, and I, I think our community yeah, Uh, uh, certainly uh, grew over the course of the last year.
1: Although the ordinance died, Wiseman said he believed the debate changed minds. It put in place the building blocks for tolerance and social progress. Now, ironically, when that first measure was put forth, just the anti-discrimination measure, there was only silence. All seven members and the mayor supported it. No one said a word to the public. Everyone was unwilling to have the uncomfortable discussion that they knew a public debate would demand. As Wiseman explained, eventually, because of the backlash, they were all dragged to the table along with everyone else in the community to have that discussion.
3: Ultimately, uh, that honest dialogue and conversation is how. Uh, the issue becomes humanized and, and, and people begin to understand this is about real people and the good human emotions uh, start to take over. And, and, and that's how you get to the point where people look back and say, good gracious, uh, how, how did we ever do something like that? Uh, so I could argue <laughs> that, that the community may be better off uh, uh, from a... Uh, growth and tolerance and respect standpoint uh, for the issue unraveling than it would have been if the policies had just gone on in silence, uh, because the, the policies were nothing but a sheet of paper, uh, and e- even though the policies on paper are no more, uh, I've got a community yeah, on all sides of the issue uh, that I think has a greater depth of understanding. Yeah, For the issue, uh, has a greater respect for the humanity of the issue, uh, and uh, I think overall that has to result in more tolerance, uh, being a more tolerant place than we were before. Uh, So in the course of this conversation, uh, I I think I've convinced myself uh, that uh, we we, we may be better off uh, having had the entire policy unravel and have an honest discussion about it then we would have been uh, having good policies on paper, but not being willing to talk about them publicly.
1: Parker Wiseman went on to be mayor of Starkville for a little while longer, but he stepped down this year on June 30th. He served since 2009 when he was 28 years old, and he retired from politics at 36. All the other towns who were influenced by Starkville's decision, they kept their ordinances, they kept their measures. Their anti-discrimination policies are the same as they were before the Supreme Court and their landmark decision which, it's worth noting, took place in the same year that that measure in Starkville was repealed. (music) ¶¶ That's it for this episode of the You Are Not So Smart podcast. This episode was co-produced with Amanda McCraney. The music in this episode comes from Mogwai. Thank you so much, Mogwai, for giving us permission to use your music in our more somber episodes. This music here is by Drew Garraway. The opening music is Clash by Caravan Palace. For more great podcasts like this one, go to boingboingpodcasts.com, and you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere else that you can find podcasts to get the back episodes of this show, at least for now, until we have too many and we have to come up with some other plan. If you'd like to support this show directly, all you have to do is go to Patreon, patreon.com slash smart. Just contributing $1 will give you these episodes with no ads. Follow us on Facebook. It's just slash you are not so smart. Follow us on Twitter. We are at not smart blog. I am at David McGraney. Find the show notes and everything else at you are not so smart.com. And you can learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Y-A-N-S-S today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Y-A-N-S-S.